This is the Wildly Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm Holly. Through the conversations we're having on this podcast, we're seeking to connect with what Wildly Wellbeing means. And by listening today, you're joining that conversation. In the conversation today, we're really excited to be talking to Dwight White, an artist currently based in Chicago. As a bit of an art geek myself, I'm personally really looking forward to it. So let's hear what Dwight has to say. Let's get stuck into the conversation. Okay. Good afternoon. Hey, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Great to have you on the podcast, Dwight. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's really great to welcome you onto the Wildly Wellbeing podcast, Dwight. Uh, Would you have to say hello and who you are? Yeah, for sure. Um, Dwight White, I am currently a Chicago-based artist. Um, I like to kind of let my art take me where it wants to take me. Um, But yeah, that is a little bit about where I'm currently at in life. And I'm originally from Houston, Texas. I like that, that, you know, go where your heart leads you. Uh, where has it led you in the past? Where else have you lived? Um, so, originally, like I said, originally from Houston, um, moved out to Chicago, um, just, I guess, right around 18 years old, so for college, university, um, and then was in LA for a little bit, um, popped into London for a little bit, it was in Cambridge for the past six months, five months, maybe. Um, and now here I am back in the States. <laughs> so it's just let, letting it flow. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I love that. Um, so Dwight, I wish that people could see things on podcasts because your work is just so bold and energetic and yeah, we cannot show it on the airways. Um, sadly, but we will be directing people uh, to your website and your Instagram later. Um, do you have an introduction to your work? Could you give us some kind of on-the-air visual experience? Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, yeah, I'll do the best I can with that. Um, like you said, you know, <laughs> no my pressure. art is primarily visual. Um, but I think just to kind of take you through my process, how my work comes to life, um, it typically, for me, starts with insights. I paint a lot of portraits, a lot of people. Um, so I usually spend a lot of time just learning about people, learning about what motivates them, things that they're inspired by. And then also art allows me to share my own personal story and journey, whether it's very direct or through other subjects. So, um, I would say that's kind of where everything starts is always with people. I think there's so much power in people's experiences, um, things that they go through on a day to day. Um, and then in terms of my boldness, the color palettes and things like that, that is what I, I think grabs consumers' eyes, grabs people's attention. Um, and then the facial expressions say a lot as well. So I would say just I shoot for really powerful portrait work. Usually how it comes to life is pretty spontaneously. Um, I kind of just like I allow my art to take me to different cities. I kind of allow um, my mind and my hand to just guide me while um, during the early stages of my art before I bring it all together. Um, so it's kind of a combination of abstraction and realism. I mean, I am not a, a, an artist by any stretch of the imagination. Holly's the, in terms of our uh, our duo, Holly's the, the kind of art 
enthusiast. She studied history of art, but I'll, I'll let her talk about that a little bit. <laughs> um, but I, I really love the work I've seen of yours and, and really wondering where, how you, rather you kind of came into kind of nurturing that talent and, and the process that you went through to kind of realizing, hang on, I've got medium here that I love and that I'm able to express something in, in a really evocative way that a lot of people would look at and think, wow, I wish I could do that. Like, how did you yeah. get to that point? Um, it's really how I got to the point of realizing that I wanted to take art seriously versus how I got to the point of realizing I was artistic are kind of two different things. Is there a better, is there, is there one that we're more interested in hearing about or, <laughs> or just, I can connect the two somehow. Yeah. Talk and, and, yeah, share yeah, and, see, and see what comes out. <laughs> Do cool, cool. Snazzy. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, I would say art for me was always something that I had a small interest in, or I was naturally good at as a kid. Um, but my primary focus was always athletics. Um, I played sports all through my childhood, all through high school, college, university, all of that. Um, and so art, I think throughout that time, like I was always the, the one kid on my football or basketball team that instead of taking the wood shop class during our, our elective periods, I was always taking random art courses. And it was, I don't know, I, I guess I was always different in terms of being creative but never acknowledged it much out of it being just something I, I thought was, was cool and did it for myself. Um, my athletics career ended um, in my third year of university and it was really very sudden. I was working to try and pursue my dreams to play professionally. And when I got injured, um, kind of shook my world up a little bit. And so the thing I turned back to um, when I think I was probably a little bit depressed, um, was art. It like basically served as therapy for me. So that's how art entered back into my life. And then the feeling I got from creating and from sharing my artwork with people started to feel really similar to the, the fulfillment I got from athletics when there's like a fan base and people acknowledging your skill set. So, so I think I enjoyed being able to connect with people again in a way that I couldn't do when I wasn't really sure of my identity after losing athletic. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I guess there are, um, you've touched on some of the similarities between art and sports, particularly mm -hmm. at that level. I guess simple things like discipline um, and using your body being your tool. I guess these are other similarities. Am I right in... Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I think I, I make that comparison a lot. Just the the commitment and the level of practice and focus you have to have for both. Um, I was listening to something this morning that was about purpose versus passion. Mm. And it just made me think of what you were just saying about how does that kind of align with what you've experienced? Because I guess you you've kind of gone, you've moved into passion, which could also be your purpose. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think I've been trying to have that conversation with myself recently. That's like, I think a really good point. Um, my passion is an art for sure. Um, but I do find purpose through it. For example, I think there's 
a lot of really talented creators that have not cracked the code on the business side of art or have found a really good way on making art sustainable for themselves, right? Like, I know people that are truly incredible. Like, I'm impressed and blown away by their artwork, but for some reason, like, they haven't been recognized or acknowledged. And so that feels like part of my purpose because I have a business background. Mm -hmm. That's, like, what I studied. And so I have an advantage in some ways from that standpoint. And, like, part of what I feel like my purpose is is to – move into starting to share those experiences and help people come into not only being super dope creators, but people that can um, make a sustainable career out of it. And I think I do that with my passion. So I feel like one of my lifelong struggles, I say lifelong as though I'm hitting retirement, which I am not. Um, But I've always torn between What do I want to do in life? What do I like? How do I make money? Like a lot of big questions. Um, But Dwight, I really like your sort of honesty and authenticity in acknowledging that it's great to enjoy doing something and for that to be powerful and in whatever way, but we need financial stability as well. So there has to be that two-way thing. Maybe traditionally we feel like those two things can't go hand in hand, I really like what you're saying about making that business. And that's not a bad word to put with art or something creative. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's, and, and I think it's also kind of just dependent on, on what art is to you. Because at one point in my life, art was simply an escape. Like, that's all I used it for. It was like, it helped me get my mind off of other things, helped me heal, helped me. Um, I was creating for, other reasons. It wasn't for other people. It was only for me. Um, and then at one point I started to enjoy sharing it. And when I got to that point, then I was like, Oh, well, I mean, if I'm sharing my work, I should get paid for doing that. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of, yeah, it's always dependent on like what the function is of art to you. Mm-hmm. And I guess as well, your purpose is, has shifted in your life as well. Like you spoke about uh, kind of a previous career, uh, and often, I mean, I feel like purpose is this monolithic set in stone. This is my one goal in life, and I'm going to smash that and nothing else. Um, but your experience is that actually, because of life circumstances, perhaps purpose or passion or both shifted. Um, and because of your injury, you had to shift your focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's okay, too. I think. Sometimes we get stuck on the thought that like you have one purpose in life or you have one passion and you have to put all of your eggs into that. But I don't know, realistically, I think they can come at us. I feel like life stages are a real thing. So like as you grow, you know, whether it's personally or professionally, your passions also not only grow, but also like nourished a little bit and come to life a bit more. Mm. I guess that like, image of your life being like a book with different chapters it's really cheesy but i i feel like it's true yeah no i, I agree with you yeah for sure i feel like if we all wrote a book uh you would see some very different people and it could be around, uh, about the same person mm. yeah and i mean statistically as well sort of our generation and younger or kind of what would encompass our generations and younger um are likely to have 
seven, eight careers in inverted commas um, in a way that parents, grandparents generation, you know, kind of the immediate post and pre-war generations just didn't, you know, you had a job for life. Uh-huh. And that is what you did. You went in at one end and you came out at the other end and then you retired and that was it. <laughs> Whereas like now it, it uh, lifestyles have shifted and things are flexing. And particularly during the pandemic and in the UK, we've seen a, a huge shift away from traditional styles of working uh, into flexible styles of working, which Holly and I have always really valued as part of our lifestyles. But we've seen our friends and others get used to it can work for you. It doesn't have to be stru- like this kind of formulaic. This is what I'm now doing for the rest of my life kind of thing. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a great point. I mean, I've I mean, I'm for me, I actually <clears throat> went from more of a corporate setting into being an artist full time during the pandemic. Mm. which was kind of a huge shift for me. Um, I think not only um, working from home, but having to really see how disciplined I am in terms of like creating my own schedule and having real flexibility to where technically I can do whatever I want. But if I do whatever I want, I'm just on vacation all the time, (laughs) not making money. So yeah, so So it definitely is interesting to see how people are, are working from home. Like, is it, you know, making people more focused or is it more distracting? Who mm-hmm. knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the kind of thing that I know a lot of people have struggled with, maybe I'm a bit OCD and I like compartmentalizing like my day and my activities. So, but I know from other people that the boundaries really merge. So I guess for you, how does that look like is it in this romantic sense of you're an artist and your life is art? Uh, are you able to compartmentalize? Um, how does it work? So I guess, yeah, the way I'm interpreting now is like, I'm always thinking about work. So I mean, my work at this point is creativity, artist, but um, I guess there are, there's different parts of that. So there's the business part of it and there's the literally just me creating. And so I do have to set aside time for the business side. Like I have, consistent meeting schedule um i I make it myself um or with my operations manager but it's i would say definitely you know by the books and and pretty organized at this point just because i realize it's really difficult to stay on on top of that and also create i don't do as good of a job setting aside specific time for me to create um because the difficult thing about that sometimes is when you feel inspired, <laughs> um, I would say that's probably one of my biggest, my biggest pain points, I would say. Yeah, like, I I mean, I have to do a lot of writing for, for the work that I do. But I also uh-huh. really enjoy creative writing as a kind of an outlet for that creativity. Um, and, and it's always a way of where you put time in the diary to like, right, I'm going to write for this specific project. And then I send up, end up staring at my blank word document for ages. Cause I'm like, I can't force the moment in which I need to write for something. It's just, I'm either going to be able to write it or I'm not. And sometimes that's yeah. like 10 o'clock at night. i am like, Oh, I can suddenly write that down now. And that's really frustrating that it's happening at 10 o'clock at night or it'll be like on the train somewhere. I'll have to like scribble it on a bit of paper on my phone. Uh, yeah. Cause it, it, it isn't a case of. I can magically press that button and suddenly feel inspired to write something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you're not just, you're not responding to emails. You're tapping into creativity. So it's like in order to do that, like that, that often what's around you dictates what you create. Mm. Like you have to be in the right space 
you have to be in the right set of emotions. Um, mine usually has to be pretty clear or set on what you want to create. So what happened that day has an impact on your creativity as well. So, but there's so many factors and that's what makes the business side of art really difficult because you set timelines up with clients. You are um, scheduling specific meetings where you're like, oh, dang, now I'm inspired. Oh, but I have to be on a call for two hours. So it's like, um, yeah, there's a bunch of, of conflicting issues, or maybe they're not issues, but just things that conflict with one another. <laughs> I'm intrigued to know, Dwight, because I'm based in Cambridge. Um, did you find much inspiration in this beautiful yet very quiet city? <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I would say I am, I, I found inspiration there because it's so much different from anywhere else I've ever lived. Um, but I would say traditionally, I find more inspiration in urban areas um, because I think I typically meet people in very hectic <laughs> settings almost. To where it's like you probably learn about who they are in in days whereas in some place like cambridge i feel like it's the the energy is a little bit more relaxed like i feel like you know over time you may capture an understanding i wouldn't say i understood the vibe of cambridge within the first month i was there hmm. so <laughs> i mean i love how beautifully and delicately you put that about cambridge because <laughs> i'm I'm not from Cambridge. I'm new uh, to Cambridge. Okay. And um, I think some of my initial reactions were too quiet, uh-huh. dull, yeah. <laughs> lack of like diversity and energy. Uh, so I like how you put that. Um, but I think it yeah. has a lot of beautiful qualities. So anyone yeah, listening from Cambridge, <laughs> I am not dissing the city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it definitely has some beautiful qualities. And I don't know. I, I was coming just before I came to Cambridge. Like, I think my life had been more busy than it ever been in my life. So it was a lot going on. And so sometimes just that that change of scenery, that break and sense of fresh air and someplace that is quiet is nice for at least a short period of time, which, yeah, worked for me. And I've noticed as well that the kind of the difference in urban context in the UK and the US is quite noticeable in that often people think, oh, well, we speak the same language and, you know, we therefore we're on, we're saying we're the same culturally. Um, But actually there's huge differences, not only in the US from state to state and city to city in terms of culture, but from the UK and to the US. And I think even just the way that like in our urban environments, like our most built up environment is London, but because of, um, like land laws and licensing laws, buildings can only go up to a certain height so they don't obstruct view. So the the feel of the city is very different to, say, New York, which in turn mm-hmm. feels very different to Chicago, which in turn feels really different to LA. Right. Um, and so there's this kind of the experience of urban, even across those few cities, shifts hugely. Um, and then, you know, technically Cambridge is a city. <laughs> Um, but it doesn't. It, it has a, a more, uh, yeah, as we've said, a more relaxed city vibe. Yeah, yeah. It actually, it reminds me of my of my college or university town. Are you more of a city boy then? Mm-hmm. See, I am definitely. 
I appreciate the best of both worlds. So like where I grew up in Houston was like north, just north of the city. So like I kind of had a part of city and a part of suburb life. And I think to this day, I still appreciate that. So every, every time I choose a spot in the city, it's usually not in the most hustling and bustling part of the city. I usually find small pockets <laughs> or, or, or road that has its sense of peace and quiet, but is walking distance to where everything else, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, city, urban guy, because I need access to those things because that's what inspires me most, but I have to have my peace. <laughs> yeah. I totally feel you. I love living in a city, and by city, I don't mean Cambridge. Um, I definitely love that buzz, and I love that kind of disgusting beauty that you can get in a city. Like, it sounds weird. Like, in Rome, their rubbish problem is just disgusting like in this overflowing massive bins of rubbish but there was something kind of really weirdly beautiful about this like overflowing massive bins of rubbish next to like a beautiful old building um and i love those contrasts that you only get in an urban setting right yeah no that, that's so true i mean it's just you get a lot of of real life like i said because people's lives are so crazy and hectic and there's so much going on and it's dense. There's so many people within a small confined space that it's like, whoa, I just stand in one spot for an hour and see how many stories you, you can capture and write about. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned people and uh, there was something that we were drawn to on your, on your website about uh, encouraging authentic conversation. Um, and that's something that we've really been trying to do with the, particularly the last few episodes that we've been recording is just trying to capture that authentic conversation and encouraging other people to go and do the same thing where they're at as well, whether it's through their passion or whether it's just the content of the podcast. And I wonder if you might talk to that a little bit more about kind of what does encouraging authentic conversation look like and particularly through your art. Yeah. um, For me, that really means like, okay, I'm, I'm the creator, right? So I can put content out or I can put artwork out into the world. And when I do that, as a creator, whether you're a musician, artist, a writer, whatever it may be, you have to understand that now everyone has a fair chance of crafting their own perspective. And so I think that's probably one of the most powerful and valuable things about art is that people not only craft their perspectives, but then they share them. And so I think when they start sharing perspectives, I think that's even more important these days is like understanding different people's different perspectives and starting conversations that need to happen, whether it's around, you know, injustice and stuff like that in the world um, or something that's just really silly about like you disagree, like whether or not you like a banana or not, like, right. It's, it can be anything, but I think art is just one of those things that a ton of people can look at the same thing and have a completely different experience with it. And I just think that's, I, know, I think it's beautiful because I, some people tell me things about my art that, no, I didn't intend to put there for that reason that they got out of it, but they connected it on a deep emotional level. And that's, that's beautiful. to me. I always think with art, like as Luke mentioned, art's kind of, art history is my background. So, you know, I spent like, four, five years of my life 
analyzing and really writing about art um i wish i could create but um i'm more on the history side of it um, yeah, you understand it better than i do <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, <you seriously>. know, <laughs> i can you know use a few technical terminology um you have that idea of looking at something from different angles and i remember uh, particularly when i was studying like my mom and my grandma would come up to london and visit me and we'd go to exhibitions and i wouldn't just take them to like the National Gallery to see the Renaissance Room because that wasn't really my thing. So we'd go to like really funky exhibitions, contemporary art. And even if their reaction was, what is this? I don't get it. Or, oh, that artist has just painted a line down the wall. It doesn't mean anything. That wasn't the point because it sparked a conversation between us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always see like the role of art or contemporary art as being that sometimes the most controversial works are really successful because they're talked about. And does it matter if it's positive or negative? Like we'd like it to be positive, but it's sparking something, which is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I agree with that hundred percent. Like there's, there's never, you can't ever predict how someone's going to react to your work. And if you can, you might not be pushing yourself enough as a creator. Cause like if, if you're only creating to satisfy one particular consumer of the work and that person's not even you, um, it's, it's not likely that the work even feels authentic, right? It feels, and that, and obviously there's different types of artists. Like you could be a, a digital or commercial artist, then their function is way different than a creator who's putting their work in a gallery that, everyone and their mother has access to and has an opportunity to engage with that. If you're not creating for a brand, you're, you know, I guess the question is like, who are you creating for? Mm. Leading on from that, I noticed on your Instagram, you've been working recently, I presume on some murals. Um, Uh And I was thinking about that because a mural is right up there. Like it's in someone's face, whether they want to look at it or not. Um, right. <laughs> and I've, I've seen you, know, I've seen you've done quite a lot of street art as it were, like on the side of buildings. So um, yeah. How does, how do you see that? Is that any different to creating a canvas? Like just talk to us about the power of a work of art that no one can avoid. Yeah. Those are, those are, they're the most challenging, but they're also my favorites when they're complete. Um, because to your point, people can't avoid it. It's in the streets. It's permanent. It's on a building that, yeah, you said you can't miss it. Um, those projects, depending on whether or not I've, because I've kind of done murals with in collaboration with clients. So whether that's a brand, an organization, company, something like that, then I've done murals that are more like we love your artwork do you? And those approaches are very different. That's kind of why I said that last question. If you're working with a brand, that's one thing. If you're working independently, that's another. And so the ones I really enjoy, of course, are the ones where they let me do me. And um, I'm starting to kind of lean more into that these days because when I don't, usually the project never goes well anyway. Um, so the the power of street art, I think, is just so incredible because those like people have daily interactions with them and they tell me about it, right? Like whether it's on social or next time they see me at a show 
it's like I saw this mural at this time of day and like the way the lighting was hitting it. Oh, this, the way this color pops or the subject reminded me of my sister, like all these different thoughts about the mural. Um, and it's cool. It touches so many people. So like last year when like during the black lives matter movement or during, you know, the, the health crisis and when essential workers were out here <laughs> working to the bone, right? Mm -hmm. Like I got to do murals that represented that out on the streets and, um, just to hear like the love and appreciation for the healthcare workers and celebrating them as heroes. And then the conflicting, um, point of views around my murals that were representative of black lives matter and a black youth and like what they're seeing right now. Like it's all very controversial, but it was really dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's that accessibility for me as well. I didn't, I didn't grow up necessarily in a context where museums or art was a big part of our lives books were and I was really fortunate to live in a in a home where books and reading was really encouraged but art never really featured in the traditional sense um and so kind of going to a gallery or going to a, a, a kind of a museum in, in that way still feels like a relatively alien concept to me even though I live in London and have access to the the dozens if not hundreds of galleries in, in London uh, but there's something really powerful about the accessibility of street art and murals and creativity in those open spaces that it's just there. It meets you where you're at in that moment. You uh -huh. don't have to think, oh, I'm going to book in or get a ticket or, you know, walk to that gallery. But actually, it's I've just got off the train and there it is in the moment. Yeah. Um, and it, it does. It meets you where you're at. And the next day you could get off the same train and say, see the same piece of art and it can impact you in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, even the the neighborhood you're traveling through, uh, usually the murals within certain neighborhoods are probably telling a particular story about that place um, at a certain point in time. So I think that's the other thing that I always kind of pay attention to when I see street art is like, why is it here? And like, what is the artist communicating? And obviously there's different types of street art. There's graffiti, there's like actual, you know, murals. And then there's now, I mean, brands are all over the place like where <laughs> logos are all over the place so there's just different types of art on the streets for people to engage with and it probably has significant meaning regardless of who put it there and I, I really like the idea of that work you mentioned about the light shining on it and something popping and a different color that literally that is a changing piece it's kind of like a living thing in a way because it's being interacted with every day and it physically, I guess they will also deteriorate or fade. I presume the, like the appearance of that work is eventually going to change as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, I mean, I would say for, for most of them, like there's like protective sealants and stuff like that you can put on murals. So like they, a lot of them potentially couldn't change within or change too significantly within our lifetime, but most of mine, I mean, I probably did six murals before I even knew protective outdoor coating and sealants even existed. So mine are going to deteriorate, I guess, but, um, but yeah, yeah, they're, they're there and they, they do change over time. Sure. You mentioned earlier sort of conversations around social justice and, and also just now with Black Lives Matter. And I wonder how art has spoken into that 
part of kind of the the movement towards justice and and what the place of art has been in kind of those landmark landmark moments of history yeah i mean art how i always say i feel like the responsibility of artists um is to document history um and i i say that even more so for for artists of color because a lot of our history is lost or is not told correctly <laughs> so it's like art and artists kind of have this ability to capture what's happening at a certain point of time. And that work lives and it usually lives pretty truthfully. So, yeah, so I think that is kind of how I think about, you know, movements and social injustice and, and creating, whether we're creating for, for people to, to, to document the story or for another purpose, which is part of the reason I, I create is for people to heal. And to like get a sense of joy, get a break um, from the ordinary, basically. Um, so yeah, I think that's the role of art is really important during during times and during movements. Because um, even if you look back, um, you know, many many years ago, and you look at at black artwork or just artwork in general, it's usually captures uh, a moment in time. You can capture the vibe. You can probably tell what era it's from. From a, an art historical lens, I've got my geeky hat on here. What we kind of learn is that art's role or function really changed with the advent of photography. So until that point, it was the camera in a sense. So there's an assumption to think that art is truthful uh, or factual, which actually isn't the case. Uh-huh. And then we've kind of had this, I guess, this shift in art could just be for like creativity and pleasure. But I guess what you're saying is that original function of art is still there and we need to embrace that because art is so important in a personal level to people, but also it has a function in society. Um, I just love that you are grasping all the, the talents that you have and the drive that you have and the power of art, not just for yourself, but for social change as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think things that I care about, I have to not only because for me, I don't, I haven't always been the person to go get up on on stage and yell about something, right? But I've always had a perspective and I've always shared it. What medium I share through share it through has changed throughout my life, um, but right now that medium's art and usually visual art. So um, I know there's power in voice, but there's also power in visuals. Like I've had a lot of people that don't look like me connect with my story or connect with um, a movement or connect with blackness on some level because of my art, not so much because of our, our differences. So it's like, it's just interesting how art can, can be that, that happy medium of bringing people together. And again, starting conversations with people that have different perspectives. Right. I feel like we could continue talking for a long time. I wish we had more today. Yeah, for sure. No, I I appreciate the time. I think this was a great conversation. And yeah, I'm open to to continuing these conversations anytime. And hopefully when travel is restrictions are lessened, they can be, as we've been saying to lots of people when we're speaking to them in different countries, like maybe we can have a conversation 
with in in person you know yeah uh, some kind of beverage that'd be cool. absolutely <laughs> yes <laughs> and dwight just before we go how how do people find you online what's the best way to interact with your work um the best way um probably most consistent like weekly updates on instagram at d white dot original and then my website is www.dwhiteart.com So thank you again to Dwight for his time today. We really appreciated him taking time out of his morning to share some of his story and some reflections on art as in general, I guess. Yeah, and we hope you found it as inspiring as we did to kind of reconsider the perhaps the purpose of art and how art impacts our day-to-day lives, as well as maybe considering a bit of purpose and and passion. So to keep you going until we meet again in the next episode of the Worldly Wellbeing podcast, there's plenty of activities for you to do, which includes reviewing this episode and other episodes that you can go back to and listen to all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe so that you know when an episode has landed. Uh, And you can also interact with us via the Worldly Wellbeing website, the Worldly Wellbeing Facebook page, and also finding us on our Instagram channels. Holly, where can they find you? So you can find me at Rome, away from home, with little underscores in between the words. And I can be found via at Locomotion Luca. Basically what Luke has just done there is given you a little party bag. We've had the party, that was the podcast, but now you've got a little bag of goodies, activities to keep you going and keep you excited till next time. To be honest, if I were you, I'd feel jipped that there's no cake. There is no cake and we do apologise for that, people. I a bit of cake right now. So before we start going on about more joys of baked goods, um, just suffice to say, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Ciao Ciao. for now.